week five of our series called Highways, Catching God's Vision. So what we're looking at now is uh, we're trying to understand the ways of God and catch God's vision. Jesus called his disciples in in, uh, John chapter 15, his friends, because he says, I've told you everything. I'm not just telling you what to do. I'm telling you everything. And so you can get it and you can understand it and we can be friends. And so there's servants who are just told what to do, but they don't know why. And then there are friends of God who understand why. And so we want to understand the why behind what God is showing. Isaiah 55, 6 through 9 is what we're basing this series on. And it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's ways are higher than our ways. And in two very important respects. First, sometimes God's ways can be difficult for us to understand. Have you ever read anything in the scriptures and thought, what? Yeah, right. Exactly. I read that. If we honestly look into the scriptures, we'll be like needing to understand because it can be confusing and difficult. So God's ways are higher than our ways in that they're beyond our ability to understand sometimes. And then also God's ways are higher than our ways in that God's ways are better than our ways. Right? God's ways are better than our ways. And so uh, it's very, very important to understand that God's ways are better than our ways. And this week, we're going to talk about having faith, walking by faith, and what it means to do that. So let's pray, and let's uh, get into new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a holy moment right now. Lord, that you would... Open up your word to us in such a way that each one of us receives something good. We're all dealing with different things. We're walking through different parts of our lives and fighting different parts of the battle. And so we all need a different touch from you. But Lord, I know by your Holy Spirit, you can touch each one of us with exactly what we need right now. And so I ask you for that and ask you to bless this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we've talked about faith during this series already. Faith is when you trust God's ways, even though you don't understand. So when God says to do something and you don't want to, or you don't understand why faith does it anyway. So if the word of God says, love your neighbor and you think, well, God wouldn't have said that if he had known my neighbor, (laughs) then you need to readjust your thinking And just because you don't understand why that's an important thing, go ahead and do it anyway, right? That's faith. Doing what God shows you to do, doing what the scriptures say, even though you don't understand, is faith. And so we want to walk by faith. And here's something that's incredibly important. The more faith, the more miracles. The more faith, the more missionaries. 
The more faith, the more church plants. The more faith, the more ministries rise up in the congregation. The more faith, the more things God can do. Amen? Amen. That's just glorious. So I should just preach on faith all the time. Right? And we would see God do incredible things. But there is an unmentionable when it comes to talking about faith. And that is the sad disappointments that also occur when we step out in faith. Have, have you experienced those as well? There are times where we step out in faith and God moves the mountains and we're like, hallelujah. And there's times we step out in faith and we fall on our face and we think, what just happened here? And my heart breaks for those who step out in faith and experience hurt. I don't, I don't like that. I want everyone to see victory and joy and overcoming and power and the glory of God. But the reality is sometimes it doesn't work out as awesome as it has today. Amen. So we've already had a healing before church even started. Yeah, 25 years of not being able to hear out of that ear opened up this morning. Hallelujah. That's just fantastic stuff. But have you ever prayed for somebody for healing and really believed God and just fervently sought day after day, week after week, month after month, and just didn't turn out how it was supposed to? Right? What does that do to our faith? That's a faith breaker. It's a faith crusher. And then people... Stop praying prayers, expecting God to do something, and start praying mushy prayers. Well, God, whatever you want to do is cool. Amen. Let's pray fervently. Let's pray believing. But we need to understand what it means to have faith and to have the security in who we are in Christ to be able to walk through failures without losing our strength of faith. So let's look at some verses talking about faith and faith like a mustard seed. Matthew 17, 19, and 20. So here's the situation. Jesus wasn't with the disciples, and a man brings his son, who's a boy, to the disciples, and the boy has a terrible demon possession problem. He's got a demon trying to kill him and throwing him in the fire, and doing all these terrible things. And so the disciples are trying to minister deliverance to the child and get rid of the demon, and they're failing. It's not working. And so here's where we pick it up, Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus, so Jesus casts the demon out, and then afterwards they have a staff meeting. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Now, did they believe they could drive out the demon? Were they shocked when it didn't work? Absolutely. So didn't they have faith? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Have you heard nothing will be impossible? 
Nothing is impossible. Have you heard that? Jesus said that to people who had just experienced ministry failure. Moments before. Nothing is impossible. Mountains will move. If we can grab hold of that type of faith, we can see incredible miracles. However, Jesus said that in this particular case to his disciples who had just experienced a significant enough ministry failure for it to make the Bible. Significant. All right. So you see there's some tension there, right? It's not just, yay, mountains move all the time and it's super easy. It's, we believed, we, we were sure it was going to happen. It didn't happen. How come it didn't happen? You don't have enough faith. What? <laughs> have some faith, move some mountains. How does that exactly work? Let's go to Luke 17, starting in verse 4. We see faith applied in a different way. Luke 17, starting in verse 4. This is talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. So here Jesus is giving a command. You need to forgive. If somebody does the same thing to you and then repents, and repent doesn't just mean I'm sorry. It means I'm not going to do that anymore. It's it's to turn, to change. So they're intending to change. And yet they fail. Seven times in one day. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, repent, forgive him. One time is hard, right? Twice is almost impossible. Verse five. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the apostles are saying to Jesus, we don't think we can do this. You're going to have to help us. That's what increase our faith means. Help us out here. If you want us to do this, if your ways are higher than our ways, if we don't understand how this works or even how we could even possibly do it, you're going to have to help. Increase our faith. Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So he's saying, if you have faith, you can do things that are impossible. You can even forgive. You can get there. So we see here Jesus talking about faith, being able to grab hold of the supernatural power of God, and Faith also being able to give us the strength to follow the natural commands, just the ways of God in our behavior, in our daily lives. So we want to grab hold of faith. As we understand faith, I want to talk about faith and self-confidence. Faith in God, and we'll look at self-confidence and how they kind of parallel each other. So, Self-confidence allows you to get the most from yourself. Amen? Self-confidence allows you to get the most, meet your full potential. If you're self-confident, you can meet your full potential. So, uh, if you're not, it can get messed up. So, confidence is good. You still have to work 
but you try hard and don't quit because you believe in yourself. That's what self-confidence will do, right? You can't just succeed by being confident, but because you're confident, you work hard, you believe you're going to get there, you put in the effort, and when the difficulties come, you overcome and you fight through it because you believe in yourself and you're going to get there. Self-confidence, that's good. But there are things that are distortions of it that cause you to not get the most out of yourself. And the first one, of course, would be insecurity or lack of confidence. Uh, When you're not confident, then even things you could do, you're not able to do. Because you need the confidence to step into it fully. But if you sort of timidly try, then it doesn't work. I used this example last night, and I thought it was hilarious. Have you ever been trying to unlock a lock with a bunch of keys and you're not sure which key is the right key. And so you're unsure when you're trying the different keys and then you tried the right one, but it still didn't work. Have you had that happen? But if you knew it was the right key, it would unlock the lock. That's what confidence will do. I I stepped out. I thought maybe I was the only one who'd had that experience. All kinds of people have had that experience. God has put keys and locks into this world as a parable to show us about faith. It's amazing. But that insecurity, that fear, that I don't think I can do it thing will cause you to not be able to reach your full potential, and that's not good. Then, of course, there's overconfidence. And this is where you're so sure it's going to work that you don't try, you don't prepare, you don't do everything you can do to succeed, and then you find out, oops, It's not going to work because I was overconfident. And that's a disaster. And then there's arrogance, which is like overconfidence, except there's a pride, a yucky thing in there about my comparison with other people. And arrogance is a disaster because the reality is we are interconnected with people. God has made us interdependent. The scripture talks about the body of Christ Many different parts, but all part of the same body working together. When one part doesn't work right, it hurts the whole group. And so arrogance does not understand the interconnectedness of people and hurts those relationships. And, and of course, arrogant people are no fun to be around anyway. So uh, that causes people to not reach their full potential. So insecurity, overconfidence, and arrogance are distortions when we should be just confident self-confident, be able to fight through and meet our goals because we're getting the most out of who we are. And then faith. So faith is confidence in God. Amen? This allows you to get the most from God's promises and God's power. So faith is confidence in God. Where we trust God, we believe in God, we're confident that God will do what he has said. You still have to work if you are full of faith. If you are very confident in God, you still have to work. But just like with self-confidence, you try hard and you don't quit because you believe God's promise and you fight through to the end. That's good. That's faith. Faith is continuing because you believe even though you haven't seen it yet. That's confidence in God. Faith. What are some 
distortions or ways that this can go wrong? Well, of course, there's lack of faith. You know? When we lack faith, we don't grab hold of the fullness of what God has for us. We don't make the most of God's promises and God's power because the faith isn't there to step into it. This can be a problem. James 1, 5 through 7. I love James 1, 5. I'll probably read this every three months. One of my favorite verses in the whole scripture. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. Hallelujah. Anybody need some clarity on the situation? Some direction for your future? Some wisdom from God? We've got a great verse here. We can, we can ask. God will give generously, not just barely meet the need, but this is a, an overflowing promise. Give generously, and he's not even going to blame you. you. He won't find fault with you. If you ask the same question you asked yesterday because you forgot the answer, he's not going to make fun of you. He's just going to give generously. Hallelujah. Because oftentimes I have to ask the same question. Where's my wife? Is she in here? (laughs) Yeah, I'll ask her three minutes later the same question. 30 seconds later. (laughs) How you doing today? All right. So it gets frustrating because, you know, but God isn't like that. God loves us and just is like, okay, yeah, I know you don't get it. And then helps us out. It's a fantastic thing. However, verse six, but when he asked, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. So wisdom from God is available, but it takes Confidence in God, confidence that he will show us so that we will fight through to get it, so that we will continue when the roadblocks come, when the confusions are there, we'll continue and apprehend the wisdom of God instead of giving up. We've got to fight for it. If we don't fight, we won't receive because we're tossed here and there by the wind. Now, I like Jude um, verse 22. It's a happy verse. We've got to do this one too. Be merciful to those who doubt. Amen? Something nice in in Jude. You got to like that. Be merciful to those who doubt. Sometimes we doubt. Look at the disciples. They're trying to cast out a demon. It doesn't work. It's a public failure. Everybody's looking at them. Jesus comes in, solves the problem. He seems a bit irritated that they can't succeed. And, you know, their faith would be shaken at that point. Jesus doesn't just, I'm getting more disciples, get out. You know, he doesn't just kick them out. He helps them through and teaches them things. Be merciful to those who doubt. So lack of faith is a problem, but also presumption is a very serious problem that I see in the church. And that is this. Here's here's my trick question. You know the answer, so don't be afraid. Can God do anything? Is he going to do anything? He's not going to do just anything. What if I just tried as hard to have as much faith as possible to believe God to be able to fly like Superman? Oh, I want to be able to fly like Superman. Oh, I'm just going to have so much faith. Ah, I can fly. You know. (laughs) Would I be 
uh, justified in being angry with God for not giving me the ability to fly like Superman after I've prayed for a week and fasted for a week? Would I be justified in blaming God and saying, hey, I had all kinds of faith. I fasted and prayed and I still can't fly. What's the matter with you? That'd be completely ridiculous, right? Because that's a presumptive prayer. There is no promise in the scriptures that says, if I just had enough faith, I could fly like Superman. There's a promise for wisdom. There's a promise for healing. There's a promise for forgiveness. There's lots and lots of promises, but we can't step outside of the promises and just ask God for whatever in the world we want. Because that's presumption. And so let's look at the Israelites. They got a great promise from God. And it was, okay, you're a nation of slaves in Egypt. But you're also children of Abraham and children of the promise. And so God said through Moses, you will be set free from bondage. You will no longer be slaves in Egypt, but you will go to a land flowing with milk and honey, and you will be a powerful nation yourselves, not subject to, to others over you, but you will be the strong ones. You will be the head, not the tail. You will have your land. And so uh, the promise comes and they get out of Egypt. You know, there's a long story with that, but they got out of Egypt and they go to see the promised land and it indeed flows with milk and honey. But there's something else in the promised land that is great, big, scary people with weapons. There were giants in the land. There were mighty warriors in the land. And the Israelites did not compare God to the mighty warriors in the land. They compared themselves to the mighty warriors in the land. And they said, we can't beat them. Well, God was never telling them, you've got to beat them on your own. He was saying, you have confidence in me. I have given you this promise. I will fight your battle for you. You trust me and go in the land. What was their answer? Forget it. We can't see how you could do that is what, you know, this is Mike's translation. They told God, we don't think you can do it. So we're not going. God did not like that. (laughs) And so... What God said to that was, all right, you explored the land for 40 days. You're going to wander in the desert for 40 years, and you're all going to die in the desert instead of going to the promised land. All right, you don't think you can have it? Well, guess what? What you think is what you're going to get. You're going to die in the desert. And then this is what happened. Numbers 14, starting verse 39. Then, I'm sorry. When Moses reported to, I can do better than that. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. So we're like, oh, we don't get the promised land. We die in the desert instead. Yeah, mourn bitterly. Very, very right. Early the next morning, they went up toward the high hill country. We have sinned, they said. We will go up to the place the Lord promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. So they said, we will take the land. We will fight the battle. We'll go. We don't want to die in the desert. 
And then Moses was like, well, the promise now isn't the promised land. Now the promise is for the next generation to have it, and you're supposed to die in the desert. So God's promise to you is you get to wander in the desert for 40 years. Have faith for that, because that's the only thing you're going to get from God is wandering in the desert. Verse 42, do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the high hill country, though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. They could have had the promised land in that generation. And then when the promise was gone, they tried to get the promise that was no longer on the table. And so what we need to do is make sure that we're not praying in presumption, that we're not looking for something that isn't part of God's plan, that we're not trying to get God to do something that he hasn't promised. We want to grab hold of God's promises. So lack of faith and presumption can cause problems with us having confidence in God. Another one we're not going to talk about too much here is hurt. When you have stepped out in faith and you were believing a specific promise and it just didn't work out how you thought it should. That's a topic all for itself for another day. But don't let disappointment Turn your heart from the Lord. I heard somebody define faith this way. Faith is the ability to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. So the question now, of course, is how do we increase our faith? How do we get more faith? We need more faith. The thing that we can't do is just, you know, grit our teeth and I've got a lot more faith now, right? That's not how it works. How do we get more faith? Well, how do you get more self-confidence? I think what you do in order to get self-confidence is you stare reality in the face. You know what I mean? Like you get a clear assessment of what's going on. And then you believe in yourself and you work hard to get better. And then as you see yourself getting better and you see what's going on, you start to get more confidence and it's based on reality and believing in yourself. You don't start good at stuff, right? You learn to play the piano. You don't start a great piano player on the first day. You have to practice and learn, believe in yourself. But then once you start Catching on, you start getting some self-confidence. Faith is like that. Stare reality in the face, believe God, and practice to get better. I believe we need to practice our faith in God, believing God's promises bit by bit, where we're at and growing from there. Pray and trust God a lot with little things. Don't wait. For a big crisis. It's uh, NBA finals are going on. 
What if, you know, through some bizarre means, all of a sudden, you're at the free throw line, game seven, 0.2 seconds left, you've got two shots and you're down by one. You know, you got to shoot free throws. Is that the time to shoot your first free throw? No, terrible time to shoot your first free throw. Practice, 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 practice. And then when it counts, you'll be ready. People pray only when it's a huge crisis and they haven't practiced. They don't know how it works. And well, it's a terrible time to be learning. Start now with little things. One thing I've learned in 17 years of ministry is I can trust God. There's something maybe I'm missing. There's something I haven't seen. There's something I need to to work through and understand. And then I can see things happen, but I know I can trust God. I've got a great healing story from a, a, a preacher that I like to listen to. And he said he went to, uh, he, he likes to pray for healing, you know, like he's one of his favorite things and see people healed. And he went to the hospital to visit somebody and he's like, do you believe God can heal you today? And the guy's like, no. And he's like, oh, okay. Well then, uh, well, it's probably not good to pray along those lines then. And he said, well, do you believe if we prayed that maybe you wouldn't be any worse tomorrow? that we can believe God for you to not be worse tomorrow. He's like, yeah, I, I guess I got faith for that. They're like, okay, great, let's pray. So they prayed for him not to be worse tomorrow. And then he came back the next day. He said, how you doing? Oh, about the same. About the same? You mean God answered our prayer? <laughs> you, wow, this is fantastic. Like, do you think maybe now we could pray for you to be just a little bit better? It's like, yeah, okay. Let's pray for me to be just a little bit better. All right. So then they prayed. He came back later. He's like, how's it going? Like, oh, it's going okay. I think I'm a little better. You're a little better. Oh, look what God has done. You know, do you think you can be like two little steps better? Well, maybe we can believe God for that. So prayed for that. And then he went to the hospital and the guy wasn't there anymore. And he's like, oh no, did he die? (laughs) And uh, no, he was released, you know, he got better. And, but the key was don't pretend to have faith for this mighty miracle when you just don't. Where is your faith? Look and see where it's at. And then believe God for that next step. Gain some confidence, the ability to have confidence in God and God's promises as you go step by step. Then I didn't read Luke 13, 18 and 19. I should have done that. Then this will happen. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? To what shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. A lot of people that I respect think that this mustard seed that Jesus is talking about, when he says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, what he's saying is you've got enough to grow it. You've got enough. It might be just a little bit. 
But over time, it will grow. As you exercise your faith, as you believe God, as you have confidence in God, so you work through it and you don't quit, you'll start to see the power of God and it will grow and grow and grow bigger than you imagine. That's how we increase our faith. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up and the ushers up. It's uh, the first weekend of the month, so we receive communion on the first Sunday. If you are here and you would like to receive communion, that's great. Go ahead and receive communion. We don't check credentials or anything like that. But if you're going to receive communion, make it real between you and God. Don't, um, don't just do it because other people are. Check your heart and see. So if we're going to increase our faith, if we're going to start seeing the miracles of God and help ourselves not run into these disappointments and be crushed. One thing I should say, confidence is not afraid to fail. Do you understand? Self-confidence is not destroyed by failure. Self-confidence reevaluates, recalibrates, and goes forward. Confidence in God, faith in God is also not destroyed by failure. Recalibrate, refocus, evaluate the situation, and continue to trust God. Now, here's the deal. I believe God for lots of different things. But there's only one thing that I need. And that's what's symbolized here with communion. I'm going to give you few promises to believe depending on where you're at from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. These will be our communion verses. So let's work through 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 as the elements are being handed out. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. How many people need a fresh start, need a new start, need to break free from old habits, need to be done with old mentalities, need to step into newness of life? This is a promise for you to believe, to put your faith on. And when we put our faith on this, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How many people understand as you're fighting to apprehend this verse, some of the old stuff is still there? You don't just go, oh, I guess that didn't work and and quit. You're like, oh, I'll get there. I'll keep working. I'll keep putting the old man down. I'll keep pushing away that darkness and, and those problems. And I'm going to get into the new. And you get more and more and more as time goes on. If you need a new start, believe verse 17. If you need to get right with God, verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. If you are separated from God, if you are not on speaking terms with the Lord, reconciliation is there through Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
If you are needing a purpose to live for, verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you want to live a life of purpose, be an ambassador for Christ who ministers the reconciliation of God to broken people. And then we take communion, believing verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The wages of sin is death. Our God is a God of justice. He will not let the sins go unpunished. However, Jesus stepped in front of the punishment and took ours. If you are willing to have faith in that and believe that. And then we become the righteousness of God. Not a righteousness of our own, not in our own arrogance and any of that. We just know it's not, it's not my righteousness. I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness. I receive a righteousness that's not my own that I can have confidence in because I'm not having confidence in my ability. I'm having confidence in God. And that is the power of Christ's death and resurrection and what we remember by receiving communion. So let's pray together. Then we'll receive communion. And then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you for making a way for us. Lord, we know we fail and we make mistakes and we do damage and harm. Lord, you are so good that you offer forgiveness to the sinner, forgiveness to the broken. We receive that forgiveness. And Lord, more than that, you offer healing. As your word says, by your stripes, we are healed. Our broken heart is healed. Our wounded spirit is healed. And Lord, you even offer physical healing and other healings. Lord, it's, it's incredible. Thank you for your great blessings. We have faith in what you've done. And we trust you to bring us home. So let's partake together. This is the body of Christ, which was broken for you. Thank you, Lord. And this is the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for inviting us in. Thank you for making a way. Let us ne never, ever take for granted your mercy and kindness and the lengths you went to to bring us into your kingdom. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person in this place. May your peace and your joy and your love abound in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.